Welcome to Category Visionaries, the show dedicated to exploring exciting visions for the future from the founders who are on the front lines building it. In each episode, we'll speak with a visionary founder who's building a new category or reimagining an existing one. We'll learn about the problem they solve, how their technology works, and unpack their vision for the future. I'm your host, Brett Stapper, CEO of Frontlines Media. Now let's dive right into today's episode. Hey, everyone, and thanks for listening. Today, I'm speaking with Raphael, CEO and co-founder of Wealth.com, a digital estate planning platform that's raised $16 million in funding. Raphael, thanks for chatting with me today. Glad to be here, Brett. Yeah, so before we begin talking about what you're building, let's start with a quick summary of who you are and a bit more about your background. Let's do it. So my name is Rafael Loreiro. As you can tell by my accent, uh, I was not born in the U.S. I'm originally from Brazil, where I grew up and went to school. and got my computer science degree, so I'm a software developer by trade. But I always had the dream to live overseas and uh, experience all the cultures and learn all the language. So when, uh, in 2001, I had a chance to come work for a startup in the U.S., I didn't think twice, right? I've been here for 21 years, have had a chance to work with uh, four different startups. And my last one, we sold in uh, March 2020 mm-hmm. to LexisNexis. It was a global fraud prevention company called Demillage, and I was their CTO. I guess uh, I just cannot stay away from startups. Here I am again with another startup, <laughs> Wealth.com. <laughs> Very cool. And we'll dig into that in a second, but just to zoom in on some of those things you mentioned there. So take me back to 2001, moving from Brazil. What was that like? What was going on inside your brain as you made that move? For a software developer, working in the US is like a lifetime dream, right? I mean, you have access to people and technology here. That's really hard to have access in Brazil. And uh, I always had this dream to uh, live outside Brazil, I mean, learn all the language. And then U.S. is uh, is Rome, right, for this. And it's the, it's the place to be. So when I had the chance, I, I jump on it, never look back, super happy to be here and be involved in uh, so many startups. Nice. That's amazing. And two questions we'd like to ask just to better understand what makes you tick as a founder and as an entrepreneur. So if you had to choose one CEO, who would you say is your favorite CEO and and what have you learned from them? That's an excellent question. I am a big fan of uh, Reid Hoffman. He's uh, originally part of the PayPal Mafia, right? And he's also the founder of LinkedIn. And the reason I like Reid is uh, some of his opinions are a little bit controversial. Mm-hmm. But uh, if you've been in the world of startup before, you actually know that he's a suggestion or a good suggestion. And I'll give an example. He says, uh, don't try to scale too early, right? Do things that don't scale first. As a software developer, anytime you're developing something, you think, hey, I, I want to do something that can handle millions of customers or thousands of customers. But that might not be the case, right? That may not be the direction that your company is going to go in six months. So I know it goes against everything you believe as a software developer, but it actually works. Try to do things simple, keep it simple in the beginning. And if you have to scale, wait until you learn a little bit more. Something else I learned from Reed is uh, don't be afraid to pivot. And uh, just to give an idea, PayPal pivoted three times during their first year. The original idea for PayPal was uh, to be a payment application for Palm Pilots. And Brett, I, I know I'm, a, I'm aging myself here because a lot of people wonder <laughs> what a Palm Pilot is, but uh, that was the original idea. And in one year, they changed three times until they actually came up with what PayPal is nowadays. Another example that he gives that's amazing and uh, it was very influential and something that I use every day within wealth 
is uh, Airbnb. So Airbnb in the beginning, the CEO, the COO, they would go to the house and take picture, picture of the house themselves, right? They didn't have a team of photographers. They did not have a process. But that experience helped shape Airbnb because they learned through the experience how many pictures were necessary to rent the house, what type of illumination you needed. So try to do the things that don't scale first before investing a lot of time, time on, on scalability. I love that. This was probably, I would say, eight years ago, something like that, where I uh, watched the YouTube videos from a Stanford course that Reed taught on blitzscaling. And it was epic. And I, I learned so much about startups from that video series. And they had like Marissa Meyer when she was still CEO of Yahoo. Uh, I think they had the Airbnb guys on there. It was just such a fascinating course and so many good lessons to learn from those people. Love it. It is actually my favorite book, Blitzscaling, right? Yeah. There's so many lessons there. Yes. Have you read the book about the 3G Capital guys, your uh, Brazilian brothers? Oh, no, I have not. What is it? So it's, uh, I'll have to look at the name and I'll send it to you, but it's, uh, you know, it's about 3G Capital. So it's the Brazilian guys who bought like InBev, they bought Kraft, uh, they bought Burger King, like very, very aggressive fund who does these mega deals. And it was like, uh, I think no one really reads this book, um, but I uh, came across it a few years ago and was just fascinated by it. And I think they have like a team of 100 people in Brazil and they're you behind all of these massive acquisitions. Yeah, no, I'm very familiar with uh, John Paul Lennon. I think uh, mm -hmm. he's the one, that, the head of uh, 3G Capital. Uh, I think now he lives in Switzerland. But yeah, I mean, his history, uh, his story is, is fascinating. And uh, they've been growing a lot. I know uh, they acquired eBev. I mean, they had a bath in Brazil. They actually bought Budweiser. And I read that about some of the experience. I, didn't, I never read the book itself. But uh, yeah, they're very familiar with their story. Oh, okay, nice. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll drop you a link after the interview. It's a pretty cool book. And do you still go back to Brazil quite often then? I try to go back every twice a year at least. I mean, my whole family is still in Brazil, my parents and, and, and uh, siblings. So I, I try to go back and uh, work in a startup. I mean, my previous startup in Village, we are a global fraud prevention company, right? So we had offices in the US, we had offices in Sao Paulo, Brazil, Singapore, London. So I had the chance to go back to Brazil quite often to work with uh, fraud prevention in Brazil. Mm -hmm. And that was great, right? I mean, it's a dream of mine, maybe like after wealth, to uh, help startup companies in Brazil, because there's a lot of, uh, of the US experience that we can port over to Brazil. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Now let's switch gears a bit and let's talk about what you're building today at wealth.com, which uh, first I congratulate you, that is a, a great domain. So let's start with that. How'd you, uh, how'd you score the domain? What was that like to get wealth.com? That was a tough process. I, uh, I cannot give all the details, but uh, we noticed that domain was available. Someone bought the domain 20 years ago, he actually bought 2,000 domains 20 years ago. And he just sat on this domain. When the domains start becoming, so you had to start paying for your domains. He dropped some of the domains, but he kept, I think, like 100, 200 domains, including wealth.com. And when the idea of the company came about, the name wealth was a perfect fit. So we noticed it was available. We noticed that it had never been used by any product, by any company, right? So it was a what do you call like a virgin domain? Mm -hmm. uh, there was a lot of negotiation, a lot of back and forth, but we were able to acquire it. And it was not cheap. <laughs> and imagine those are always like the stressful negotiations, right? With the, uh, the domain squatters or domain owners. Yes, tough negotiation. I mean, he knew the value. It's I mean, just organic traffic without us doing any advertising. We get like 5,000 visits a day, 
just organic traffic. Dang, yeah. that's insane. Nice. Well, let's talk about the company now. So we know you have a great domain. Let's talk about what the company does. So let's uh, let's begin with the origin story. Absolutely. So the idea came together in 2021 from uh, a personal event experience by one of the members of the team, right? We had the liquidity event with image. We had to get state planning done, right? And uh, when we got together a year after, because I mean, an interesting thing about image, we sold the company March 2020. So if I take you back to March 2020, that was the beginning of COVID, right? Everybody was going home. There was no vaccine at that point. People didn't know about the COVID. So I went home, sold the company. I went to work for the acquirer for a year, didn't see anybody. After that year was over, I had a chance to get and meet the team, the middle age team, and we were, we were just having coffee and, and discussing. And the state planning came up. And we were, we were all like, Man, this process is so old school, right? Spin on paper, wet signature. You have to go to a lawyer. The first thing he or she is going to ask you is like, what are your assets? And in this day and age, Brett, I mean, think about it. Like a kid coming out of college, they probably have a green light checking account. They have an NFT. They have a crypto. And that's someone that's coming out of college, right? So a person like myself that been in, not young anymore, right? I mean, when I sat down to track my assets, I had upwards of like 20 different assets, right? I mean, three, four kids and checking accounts. So that process is so convoluted, so old school. And that's where the idea came from. Can we create a solution that combines asset aggregation, right? And keeping your estate planning always up to date. And I'll give an example, right? So uh, let's say you buy a house. I want to be able to see, hey, Brett, I noticed your house is no longer in San Francisco. I noticed your house now in Colorado. Have you moved? And if you say yes, I want the solution to update your state planning without you having to do anything. On the reverse, if you add a new beneficiary to your state planning, I want to be able to look through all your assets and say, hey, Brett, I noticed you don't have a 529 college plan. Would you like to create one? So that's the idea of wealth. And then we spend a good amount of time looking for a solution in this space, and there was nothing available. So we decided to create wealth. We went back. Uh, we had a small team. We had the idea. We bought the domain. That took took a little bit of time. And then uh, we talked to some of our former investors, email-range investors, and uh, we got Entos. They know the team. Entos Capital in Santa Monica, California. They believe in the idea to invest in the company. And that's the $16 million uh, fundraise last year. At that point, we had an idea, a small team, a domain, but no software. We launched the product in July this year. Wow, amazing. And what's the traction look like so far? Any numbers that you can share? I cannot share numbers. I mean, we have, uh, it's still fairly recent, right? We launched in July, but uh, we closed two of the top uh, uh, employee benefit companies in the U.S. That's March McLenna and the Hub International. We are already deploying several financial advisors. And November was our best month. Unfortunately, nice. I cannot share your numbers. <laughs> we'll have to bring you back on again to, uh, to share the numbers next time. Let's do it. <laughs> Perfect. And what's the go-to-market motion look like then? Are you selling direct to consumer or is this more of a marketplace that's connecting them to an army of lawyers that can help? What does that look like? Excellent question. That's definitely something that makes us unique. We are a business to business to consumer. So our go-to-market approach is through employee benefits and through financial advisor. 
We ran last year the largest state planning survey in the U.S. with 10,000 Americans making more than $100,000 a year, right? And one thing we notice is uh, when people decide to do the state planning, they either do because their financial advisor tell them to do so, 52% of them, or because their family have state planning. So after we learned these lessons, we're like, okay, so those are two channels that we have to explore. First, employee benefits. Because after your family, where do you spend most of your time? At work, right? So in this day and age, when companies are trying to distinguish themselves, offer unique benefits, and pet insurance is all the rave, I believe state claims is way more important, right? So I think that we are exploring this channel. We offer state claim to employ benefit. The second one is the financial advisors, right? These are the people having conversations day in and day out about the fact that you do need to have state plan. And I mean, it's important to explain, Brett, because there's a lot of confusion in this space what state plan is. So a state plan is more than the, than having a will, right? A will is very important, but also have an adverse healthcare director. So if you're in the hospital and you're unable to provide directions, you leave instructions how you want to be handled. It's a financial power of attorney, right? So if you're not here because you're unavailable, who makes decisions for you? On your behalf, it's having guardianship documents, right? So if you have kids and you're not available, how, who do you want to take care of them? All these documents combined, it's state planning, right? So I think this is very important. Financial advisors have this conversation every day. So, uh, different than everybody else, we are business to business to consumer, mm -hmm. but the website is there. If you come across the website and you want to buy a trust, a will, it's available. You can buy it. We are just not investing capital marketing in a direct consumer. Makes sense. And for these financial advisors, are all of them already doing estate planning or is your pitch to them, hey, we have a new revenue channel that we can help you integrate that's not going to you know, cost a lot of money on your end, it's not gonna take a lot of time and it's you know, free revenue that you can generate. Is that the pitch to them or what does that look like? So the pitch is, I mean, usually what happens is they do not do estate planning. They send you to a lawyer to do the state planning, which is not a very scalable solution. And people usually don't like to go to lawyers. And a very important thing with millennials is uh, millennials, 53% of millennials look for online solutions before they go to a lawyer, right? So our pitch of the financial device, like with wealth, you provide your future customers, your millennial, an online solution that can get, get a high quality state planning documents and it's scalable. And the other benefit is you as a financial advisor, you can see the data, right? So as you are completing your state plan documentation, your financial advisor can track it, can see it, cannot make any changes, but can track it and help you get it done. You know what I mean? And for the customers that you have, they're a little bit more complicated. Let me give you an example. Let's say they have a special need kit. We don't tackle this scenario yet. So for those, you're going to send to a state planning lawyer. Makes sense. So who hates you here then? Is it the estate planning lawyers? Is that your uh, your enemy? I'm sure there has to be someone who's being displaced and disrupted here at some point, right? I mean, I don't want to say that anyone hates us, right? Uh, <laughs> I don't think we're taking business for estate planning lawyers. We actually have partnership with state planning lawyers. So if you log into the solution mm -hmm. and you, let's say you buy a trust, but you, you have a question and you really want to talk to a lawyer, we, Wealth, actually facilitate the conversation. 
we put you in touch with a lawyer in our network, and this lawyer can answer your questions. So uh, we're generating business to the lawyers, right? Our target market is the mass affluent. It's people making more than $100,000 and less than $5 million in assets. And Brett, let me tell you, this is a blue ocean, right? We're talking about 64 million people that falls in this category, right? And uh, they don't have state planning. So uh, there is no dominant player in this space. So I don't think we are taking anyone's lunch. There's plenty for everybody. Are there any critics of you know the digitization approach that you're taking? Like, for example, when years ago, when Wealthfront was becoming a big deal and robo-advisors were becoming a big deal, a lot of financial advisors you know, were treating that in a hostile way because it represented change. Have you seen any pushback like that? Is there anyone that's you know critical of this model or you know, views it in a hostile way? Oh, yeah. You can find plenty of critics, right? They're saying, oh, no, you always have to go to a lawyer because that has been the way that's done for the past 200 years. I mean, state planning is so old school. I mean, it's based on the traditional family, right? The nu- nuclear family with a married couple, two kids. It's stuck in the past and needs to be modernized. And that's what we're trying to do. So anytime you're trying to modernize a old industry, you're going to have critics. You're going to have people that don't like it. But I don't think there's a way back. And I'll tell you why I don't think there's a way back. I, I feel like uh, there are four mass changes that happened recently mm-hmm. that justify a solution like wealth.com. And they are COVID, right? When COVID happened, people didn't want to leave their houses. They want to be able to buy grocery. They want to be able to open accounts do everything from home. And that has not changed. I mean, COVID literally changed the world, right? The second thing is that the great wealth transfer, that $68 trillion are going to change hands in the next 20 years. That's the the most amount of money that have ever changed hands in history, $68 trillion. And the thing is, that money is going to a digitally inclined generation. Those are the millennials, the people that are used to do everything with their cell phone, open account, track the market, buy NFTs. So if you don't catch up to the ages, right, you're going to be left behind. The states are finally catching up. Now you can get e-wills in four states, Arizona, Indiana, Florida, Nevada. And finally, there is legislation in Congress to change the rule where you can get e-wills in every jurisdiction in the U.S. I mean, just government's always behind, right? But they're finally catching up. And finally, like I was describing at the beginning, something that spoke very highly to me, mass adoption of fintech. 30 years ago, you would only deal with the bank, right? You had like your Bank of America account. Oh, you want to invest? You would call your broker. Hey, I want to invest on Microsoft. Very old school, very slow process. But if you look nowadays, I mean, even kids leaving college, they have like five different assets. They are playing the stock market with Robinhood. They're being, buying GameStop, right? Or buying NFTs or, or buying crypto. So we need to provide a solution that's modern. And I mean, with lawyers, if you go to a lawyer, and I'm not criticizing, I mean, there is always a need for a lawyer depending on the situation. But if you go to a lawyer, the first thing they're going to ask you is like, what are your assets? The moment you leave the office, six months later, that information is outdated because you bought, you sold, you have new assets, you open new accounts. So, uh, that's all we're trying to solve, right? We're trying to create a solution that's always up to date. As your life evolves, your estate planning also evolves with you. So is it like continuous estate planning or real-time estate planning? Is that how you think about it? So it's you know tracking those assets in real time or near real time? 
perfect explanation. Yes, it is. So after you connect your assets, it's more than connect to your financial accounts. We connect to 14,000 financial accounts, but we also connect to your real estate. We connect to your crypto wallet. And we keep the information always up to date. And we react to events. Like I was saying, if you have your real estate, your real estate connected and we get a notification that you sold your house, we're going to prompt you. Hey, did you say, are you moving? Yes. Are you moved to a, a different state? Yes. Let's update your state planning. So it's a, it's a real time solution. Must be a painful reminder for a lot of the crypto and NFT investors that are on the platform. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. It's been a, a bloodbath. Yep. So let's talk about the competitive landscape. So I know you talked about the traditional approach there, but if we look at digital estate planning, what does that ecosystem look like? Are there any other major competitors or any other you know, smaller competitors that are getting funded and, and trying to do something similar? There are. I mean, there are. I mean, you have your legal zooms, your free wills, but the way we try to distinguish ourselves from these competitors is uh, free will, legal zoom. You can get your documentation done. It's similar to a lawyer. You get your documentation done, and uh, I see you in five years, Brad, to update your documentation. It's a one-and-done solution. We try to distinguish ourselves by keeping the, the solution, keeping your information always up to date, and help you by providing recommendations. As far as I know, there's no one in this space yet. And that's why we, we want to keep evolving. We want to keep ahead of the game. Makes sense. And I know you're still early on in this journey, but so far, what would you say has been the greatest challenge in terms of go-to-market that you've had to overcome? Yeah, it's been a very interesting year, right? Uh, when we raised the capital last year, 2021, it was a completely different world, right? Uh, there was no war in Ukraine, no inflation, no uh, interest rate of 4.5%, uh, no supply chain uh, disruption with China. So it's been tough to launch a new startup in the, this new financial environment. And uh, so that's one of the challenges that we're trying to adapt. And the second one is, is COVID. So uh, before COVID, uh, my previous startups, I mean, we had an office, people would go to the office and uh, we would brainstorm ideas around a, a whiteboard. We launched Wealth as a fully remote company. I have people in the US, I have people in Canada, people in Brazil, China, Thailand, Dublin, it's all over the world. I love the fact that I can find talent anywhere. At the same time, it brings some, some challenge. How do you create culture in a company that's fully remote? How do you brainstorm idea? How do you avoid uh, Zoom fatigue? That's real, right? People get distracted. I mean, when you're in a Zoom session for one hour and an email pops up or Slack pops up, kind of like takes people's attention away. Right? So there are some challenges to launch a company after COVID. I think there are a lot of benefits, right? You can find talents anywhere in the world, but there are some other issues that you have to learn how to overcome. So COVID and the financial market have been really tough for us. Yep, makes a lot of sense. And I think that's something that all startups or really just any company has to navigate today. Yes. And if we zoom out into the future, what's the three-year vision? So eventually is the long-term goal to be you know, majority direct to consumer or are you always going to have you know a big focus on that b2b to c model uh, what's that three-year vision look like i mean we just started so uh, like i was saying uh, going back to read hoffman i'm not trying to i do have a, like a master plan but we're trying to keep it through it in the beginning my goal is to provide a solution an intelligent platform i mean you see chat gpt and all the discussion about ai 
that's what we want to do, right? Based on your data, provide intelligence suggestions, right? I want to be able to, in the future, help you plan for retirement. Now that I have, I have all your assets, I have all your beneficiaries, why not help you plan for retirement? We are truly in consumer product, right? Anyone coming to the website can buy the solution. But our background, our previous startups, they were all in the B2B space. And we had a lot of relationships with great companies in the US and uh, we want to keep exploring them. That's a channel that we want to keep investing heavily. But uh, yeah, I, I can see like direct to consumer in three years would be, uh, I'll say, half our revenue for sure. Got it. Very cool. Well, Raphael, unfortunately, that's all we're going to have time to cover for today. Before we wrap, if people want to follow along with your journey as you build, where's the best place for them to go? Wealth.com. That's an easy website. Just go there, subscribe to the newsletter, and uh, we should all have state planning. If you don't have state planning, it's part of your financial wellness. Don't be glad. It is going to give you peace of mind. Amazing. Well, Raphael, thank you so much for taking the time to chat and share what you're building. It's always fun to talk with an entrepreneur who's really disrupting an industry that's ripe for disruption. So thanks for taking the time, and we wish you the best of luck in executing on this vision. Brad, thanks for the opportunity. I appreciate it. Yep. Keep in touch. All right, thank you.